So last week we uh, spoke about trouble coming to people's lives, Christians' lives, uh, without them doing anything to warrant the trouble that comes into their life. We looked at uh, Job. We looked at the, the man born blind. And today we're going to pick up on the last part of that message. The title of the message is That Which is Designed by the Enemy to Destroy You, the Lord Will Use to Transform You. Part 2. But before we move forward, let's just do a quick recap of last Sunday. I'll ask you some questions, and if you know the answer, you can shout it out or put your hand up, whatever you want to do. Do things happen in a Christian's life by chance or just by Satan's free hand? No. Just... <laughs> Just don't put the wrapper on the floor. <laughs> that is right. Nothing happens in a Christian's life without the Lord allowing it. Why does the Lord allow trials, difficulties that we don't understand to come into our lives? Okay. To reveal who we are? That's that's true too. Also to draw us closer to the Lord so that his glory can come forward out of us as we come through what he's taking us through. Anybody remember what Job's response was? to having lost all of his family, his livestock, everything in one day? What was Job's response to that? Wow. I think you, I think you it came out of your mouth first, Ziggy. Wow. <laughs> this, this, is not, this is not rigged. <laughs> okay, that's it. The limit's two. <laughs> So what was Job's response to his wife's comment after she sees him scraping the boils off of his body? She said to him, do you still hang on to your integrity? What did Job respond to her? And? Amen. Shall I receive, shall we receive good from the hand of God and not evil? Did Job sin against God in the midst of his difficulties at this point of the trial? Okay, what does the Bible say exactly? Okay, in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. That's right, Peggy. (laughs) All right. We are ready to move on. Oh, you got one? Okay, you didn't get one. Okay. Thanks for your cooperation. So we're going to look at Joseph today. A fascinating individual who could have let the circumstances of his life destroy him. But he made righteous choices. He obeyed the Lord. He kept his eyes on God. And he made a choice to forgive. And because of that, his life was transformed by God. 
His story is chapter 30 to 50 in Genesis. Pretty big portion of scripture. His journey was shaped by pain, by hardship, by the knowledge of God, which allowed him to survive where most people would have failed. He was one of 11 sons of Israel, formerly Jacob. He was the, the last child. And for whatever reason, the Bible says that his father favored him more than the other sons. I come from a family of nine kids. I was the seventh boy. As much as I thought at times I was the golden child, I was not. <laughs> but my mom didn't really love me. <laughs> she did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so nonetheless, um, because of this extra favor that Jacob had for his son, his brothers hated him, the Bible says. Genesis chapter 37. There's a lot of scripture, so bear with me. I'm going to be flipping back and forth. Genesis chapter 37, verse 3 and 4. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Hate is a really strong word, but that's what it says here. I have to remind myself that a little birdie told me that I pace too much, <laughs> so, <laughs> so i got to try to slow down here a little bit. <laughs> His brothers referred to him as a dreamer. The Lord would give him dreams. But he didn't keep the dreams to himself. He would share the dreams with his brothers, which caused even more reason for them to hate them. One of the dreams he had was they each had a sheaf of wheat. So the 11 brothers, he dreamt they all had a sheaf of wheat and 10 of the brothers, their sheaf of wheat, all bowed down to his. And his brother said, do you intend to rule over us? And because of that dream, they hated him even more. So, we have a lot of hate happening here. Three times it's mentioned that they hated him from verse 3 to 8. His brothers didn't realize, though, that the fulfillment of the dream that God gave to Joseph was going to come true. God's plans always come true. No matter what, we cannot stop the plan of the Lord from coming forward. His brothers, through their hate, fulfilled God's plan. Their hate was accomplished, was used to accomplish God's will. It's pointless to fight against the will of God. He's going to do what he is going to do. His adult life begins as a slave. His brothers conspired because of their hate for him that they were going to get rid of him. They were going to kill him. And then they thought, well... Let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in a, a well or a pit. So they decided that's what they were going to do. They threw him into a pit. 
And then they had another change of thought. There was some media, um, Medianite uh, travelers coming through, and they said, you know what? He's got to be worth something. Let's just sell him for some money. So up out of the, uh, the pit, they pull him, and they sell him to Medianite travelers heading to Egypt. They sold them for 20 pieces of silver. Genesis chapter 37, verse 28 says, Then Medianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. And from there, Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guards. So twice he gets sold. So he was a man of tremendous integrity. Tremendous, tremendous integrity. Under Potiphar, who was the captain of the guard of Pharaoh. Joseph found so much favor that Potiphar said, come on in, you're going to live in my house. You're going to be my attendant. So he found favor. So he's gone from a pit to a slave to an attendant in the second most powerful man in Egypt's house. That's quite a, quite a change. He was put in charge of everything in Potiphar's house, his whole house. The Bible says the whole household of Potiphar was blessed because of Joseph. One problem. Potiphar's wife. Yes, Potiphar's wife. She took notice of Joseph. Why? Because the Bible says he was handsome and well-built. So she thought, wow, pretty nice-looking guy. Hmm. So, of course, she's made several advances to try to get Joseph to go to bed with her. Joseph Joseph's response to her continual efforts to entice him to want to go to bed with her. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused, and he said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concerns about anything in the house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you. Because you are his wife, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? That's his tremendous integrity. 
The story continues that Joseph was doing his work alone. Nobody else is in the house. And one more time, Potiphar's wife approaches him. And he runs. But in the process of running, she grabs a hold of his coat. And a piece of it comes off. So, of course, she is... She's feeling pretty rejected by this Israeli slave. And she's probably used to getting whatever she wants. But not Joseph. But we got to read this again because this is how Joseph explains this. He said, He is not greater in this house than I am nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He didn't make any excuses. He didn't say, oh, I I couldn't go to bed with you because it would hurt Potiphar. He didn't say, I couldn't go to bed with you because it would hurt you. He also didn't say, I can't go to bed with you because that's against my moral code. He said, I can't do this great wickedness and sin against God. It had nothing to do with Potiphar or Potiphar's wife or his own moral code. It was against God. That's integrity. I don't know if you guys remember the, uh, the story when King David committed adultery with Bathsheba and the whole story. And then he, has, he writes a psalm, and he, it's a repentant psalm. And in that psalm, it's Psalm 51, verse 4. He says, Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. He saw his wrong directly against God. He didn't even see the people who he sinned against. Now, don't get me wrong. Of course, when we sin, we hurt people. But we can't sin against somebody without first sinning against the Lord. If we see our sin as against the Lord first, we're probably going to see how we sin against each other much differently. It gives us a totally different perspective. Amen? Good. Another part of uh, Joseph's long life of trial and triumph is he was a jailbird. So going back to Potiphar's wife, she screams out, he tried to rape me. Well, as soon as his master, who was Potiphar, heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled against Joseph. He was pretty ticked off. And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was in prison. So, minding his own business, accused of something he didn't do that he tried to avoid at all costs, and he ends up in jail. That may be our fate one day. The world is deteriorating. At some point in time, you may end up in jail for being a Christian. It's happening in other parts of the world. Could be our fate. Have you ever gotten into trouble for telling the truth? Or making a decision to do the right thing? 
in spite of all of that, once again, things seem to turn out right for Joseph. And for one reason, and one reason alone. Here it is. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Trouble, triumph. Trouble, triumph. Trouble, triumph. It's an incredible story. So he had integrity. He was a slave. But he was also sensitive to God. A dreamer. A discerner of dreams. Chapter 40, verse 6 and 7. And when Joseph came to them in the morning... He saw that they were troubled. So he's in the prison. There's a couple of gentlemen with him. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, why are your faces downcast? They said to him, we've had dreams And there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell me. Are we that sensitive to the Lord? People that we spend a lot of time with, are we able to see when they're downcast? Or do we ask people, how are you doing today? But we don't really have the time to hear how they're really doing today. Joseph was sensitive. He saw and he asked. And his asking gave the Lord an opportunity to once again be glorified. So the dreams are interpreted. And Joseph asked the cupbearer after they'd gotten out of prison. The baker was killed. The cupbearer, I think, survived. Don't quote me on it. It could be the other way. But he said to the cupbearer, remember when you get out of here that I'm down here. I, I'm down here forcefully. I haven't done anything. But I'm down here. So keep me in mind. But as humans often do, we forget. So he forgot. And it was two years. Not a snitch of freedom for Joseph. Two full years gone by before he would get another opportunity to taste freedom. Have you ever waited that long for another opportunity to do right? To make a situation right? The position you wanted at work, somebody else got it instead of you. So now you got to wait. What about that lead solo you were supposed to get in the play? But somebody else gets it.
Do we react like Joseph when that happens? Or do we pout? Do we get angry? Do we at God? Or do we just humbly wait like Joseph? Another football story. Because there are some similarities in my football life with Joseph. But really, really, really tiny. (laughs) So here it is. I... uh, Got a football scholarship coming out of high school. I was always used to being the man. So I was a starter, never came off the field, blah, blah, blah. Go down to South Dakota, get a scholarship, and I feel like I'm not known there <laughs> because there's like 106 guys on the team. Wow, <laughs> lots of testosterone. Anyways, my first year, I didn't get to play at all. Just a little, little bit. What a struggle that was for me. Because I was used to being the man. So anyways, I come back home for the summer. Worked my butt off. Hopefully I can, that's not offensive to anybody. Worked really, really hard. Because I'm not going to be on that bench. I, I am, I'm going to get on that field. And I went down, and I was having a phenomenal football camp. They moved me from the position I was playing, and I was just doing really, really good. I was doing so good that two weeks before the season began, the coach just says, oh, yeah, Leroy, you know, going into that first game, you're going to be the starter. Yeah, you know. I'm excited. Hard work pays off, right? So about a week before the first game, they come to me. They say, you know what, Leroy? (laughs) We we got this guy. His name was Jarvis. We're going to move him into your position. You're still going to play a lot, but he's a senior. You're a sophomore, which is your second year. You'll kind of relieve him. You'll be on all the special teams, etc. I thought, okay, no problem. Sure enough, I played a lot. I thought, oh, if this is how it's going to be, I'm okay uh, coming off the bench. So we have a traveling squad. The traveling squad they post, because they can't take 106 guys to the game, right? So we're going to Portland to play this team. And you go into this area, and your name is going to be on that board if you're traveling. 46 of us. I go in there, and my name is not on there. And I'm absolutely devastated. I mean, just devastated, because I've done everything I was supposed to do. Why am I not on that board? Long story short, the team goes. It's a Friday night. There were a number of guys that hadn't gone. And I'm walking around, depressed, bummed out, feeling lied to, with three other guys. And uh, it's a long weekend, and we're not doing much, just walking through dorms. Uh, We come out of one particular dorm, and one of the guys pulls out this jewelry box that he had gone into one of the rooms. And I can't repeat the language that I used on him when I saw what he had done. And I just was pretty frustrated. And I said, you know what? I'm going home. We went, got a bite to eat. As we're leaving the Burger King, the lights of the campus police are flashing very brightly. And we come out of the building and they ask us to get down on the ground. 
and they handcuff us. And away we went to the county jail. That began the collapse of my life, but also the transformation of my life. I will share bits and pieces, I'm sure, as things go forward. But the similarity is I, too, was a jailbird. That little bit of jail time cost me my scholarship. It was a $6,000 U.S. a year scholarship. Gone. I was a Canadian. You can't commit a crime as a Canadian and stay in the States. But I was naive. I had no idea. I was 18 years old. 19. Anyways, uh, I was dejected. We'll get into some of the other things. Joseph made a righteous decision that sent him to jail. I made a bad decision that sent me to jail. I was only in there for four days. But after going through the proceedings and sentencing, I ended up getting another 30 days. But the lifelong pain of that incident still is a scar in my life today. Because every time I cross the border, I have to have a border crossing card. Every six months. And that was back in 1984. And I'm still paying for that today. Joseph's jail time ended up glorifying God. Mine started me down the road to thinking about God, but not surrendering to him. Joseph probably didn't have a clue when he would be called again to do something. It appeared that the butler had forgotten to put the word out, and as I mentioned, he was wrongfully imprisoned. But nonetheless, Joseph would be ready when that opportunity comes. What does 1 Peter 3.15 say? We are to be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. So Pharaoh has dreams. And nobody can interpret his dreams. Once again, we see Joseph's reliance upon the Lord and his faith in God. Genesis 41. Joseph demonstrated that he didn't have an extra or, any extraordinary powers. He had an extraordinary God. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, pardon me, Joseph answered Pharaoh, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So again, Joseph demonstrates that his ability to interpret dreams is not about himself. It's about what God has done. Twice he tells Pharaoh in verse 25 and 26. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. It is I, as I said, God has shown to Pharaoh what he's about to do. So twice he tells them. 
The Lord's going to show you what you have to do, Pharaoh. There was not one single thing that Joseph did to accumulate the kind of power. Every single good thing and every single bad thing that he experienced was orchestrated by God to shape his life and to get him ready for the place that he was going to ultimately be placed in by God. All Joseph did was, and I don't mean this lightly, remain faithful, obedient, and trusted in God. He makes himself known to his brothers who had cast him into the pit. Up until that time, they had not seen him, but the famine comes in the land. Their father says, Go to Egypt and buy grain because we're going to starve here in Israel. And they went to Israel. Lo and behold, the guy they were going to be buying the grain from is their brother Joseph. But they don't know it's their brother Joseph. So he says here, they're before him now. And the whole time he's playing this game of not letting them know who he is. And then finally, then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone get out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers and he wept aloud. So it was so loud that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. Absolutely shocked. The last we saw you, you were in a pit that we sold. And now they're having to buy grain from this guy. Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me here before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years and there are yet five more years in which there will be no sowing, no plowing, no harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land. So it was the Lord. He's telling his brothers that. Last but not least, his transformation is complete. Once again, a little portion of Scripture. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15 to 21. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead... So Jacob has died. They said, if it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. That, that seems like a reasonable comment, <laughs> even though it's not the way. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father, they're making this up, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. 
His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear me, for I am in the place, I, for, I, for am I in the place of God? In other words, I'm not God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. I passed out some scriptures uh, that Joseph is one person in the Bible that has very similar characteristics or things that he'd experienced as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Just going to read some of those out. Uh, Who has Matthew 3.17? Hang on one sec, uh, Jonathan. So they were both loved by their fathers. Both loved by their fathers. Just one second here. Okay, Genesis 37, 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Go ahead, um, Jonathan, read yours. Amen. Genesis 37, 4. They were both hated by their brothers. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. John chapter 7, verse 5. Okay. They were both tempted. Genesis 39, verse 7. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. Matthew 4, 1. Who has Matthew 4, 1? Amen. Both of them had their robes taken. Genesis chapter 37, verse 28. The Midianite traders passed by. Sorry. Um, sold pieces of silver. Uh, 28. Then Midianite traders passed by and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. Uh, Matthew 26, verse 15. Who has that? He was falsely accused, Genesis 39, verse 16 to 18. Then she laid up his garment by her her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came in to me to laugh at me. Uh, Matthew 26, verse 59 and 60. Amen. They were both placed with uh, prisoners, two prisoners. Genesis 40, verse 2 and 3. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer, the chief baker. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. Luke 23, verse 32. They both began public life at 30. Genesis 41, verse 46 says, And Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And Luke 23, 
20, Luke 3, 23. Luke chapter 3, verse 23. Anybody have that one? They were both exalted after suffering. Genesis 41, 41 says, And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 to 11. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 to 11. Amen. They forgave who wronged them. Because of the length, I won't read the whole thing. Genesis 45, verse 1 to 15 talks about that. Luke 23, 34. Who has that? Amen. And lastly, because I think I missed one, uh, John 19.23. Before it's read, let me read Genesis 37, verse 23. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe the robe of many colors that he wore. John 19, 23. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and they divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece and tossed bottom. Amen. So they were both stripped of their robes. They both saved their nations. Matthew one twenty one. Amen. Genesis 45 says, And and now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. And what men did to hurt God turned to good. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. Amen. And as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. This was long. I appreciate your attention. But let's sum it up. So we've looked at the lives of some some men, particularly Joseph, who went through some extreme difficulty difficulty in their lives which was allowed by the hand of God to not only deepen their relationship with God and their belief in God but that God could be glorified through them the people of uh, Egypt who didn't believe in Joseph's God gave praise to Joseph's God because of what the Lord did in his life. I don't know where you are today. Maybe you're in the middle of some heavy difficulties. Maybe you're not at the beginning of heavy difficulties. Maybe you have come through heavy difficulties. 
but it doesn't really matter. What matters is that the Lord Jesus Christ will take you through all of it if you will trust him, if you will obey him, if you will make righteous decisions for him. But that all begins with you surrendering your life to him. None of the other stuff can happen if you don't surrender your life to him. So let's stand together. I'm going to pray. Yeah, and just, uh, just close your eyes and let the Lord just speak to your heart this morning. If there's something special you want to say to him, he is more than willing to listen. So Father, we uh, are so grateful for your word. Uh, Father, we are grateful for hard times. Uh, We know that as difficult as hard times are and as painful uh, and as gut-wrenching at times that they are, Lord, we know that as long as you are with us, Lord, we are able uh, to go through those times and to come out on the other side not limping, not bruised and battered, not just uh, we made it through, but we come through the other side transformed. We come through the other side bringing glory and honor to your name. So Lord, whatever it is that you have for our lives, whether we're in the midst of it, whether we're in the end of it, or whether we're going to be beginning it one day, we just surrender it to you, Lord. We surrender it to you and we ask you to help us to be willing participants with you, Lord, as you take us through the things, Lord, that you want to do for each and every one of us, Lord that will draw us closer to you, Lord, that will give us a greater understanding of who you are, Lord, and ultimately, Lord, bring glory and honor to your name, Lord, so that people, uh, when they see us, Lord, would want to know what is the reason of the hope that we have, Lord, after going through all the difficulties, Lord, So we thank you today. We thank you for your mercy and for your grace and for your favor, Lord. We're thankful that you brought us here today. Uh, I pray, Lord, that everything that was said today, Lord, you place in our hearts all that you want us to retain, Lord. Lord, I thank you and I praise you and I ask you to continue to bless your people, Lord. Bless your people. Strengthen your people, Lord. Give your people courage and boldness, Lord, to proclaim your name, Lord. Jesus, I ask all of this in your wonderful name. Amen.